This morning, Scripture uh, comes to us uh, from, from two of Paul's letters. Uh, we're going to read both from Galatians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 4. We'll, we'll begin in Galatians. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there uh, so we together can hear from God's Word. Uh, if you don't, you can follow along with the words on the screen uh, as we hear from Paul, uh, words of wisdom and of truth for us as people. Uh, hear now the Word of the Lord. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. And then turning to Colossians chapter 4, we're going to be reading uh, 2 through 6. Again, hear the word of the Lord. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the ministry of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. But hear this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, so we give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Will you bow with me for prayer? Gracious God, we do give you thanks for your word, for the wisdom contained therein. We ask, God, that you would meet with us now in this space and time. Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds to come to know, understand your word and your will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was blessed last week uh, to, to be a, a member of the congregation as, as Zach preached and uh, taught us on faithfulness and, and led us in, in a faithful way. And, and I have to admit, uh, leading Zach uh, has, has been a, a great gift for me. There's not uh, many times when you lead someone that's so hungry, so thirsty for constructive criticism. Uh, I mean, think about it in your lives. There's a lot of folks around you that, that, that really don't want to get any better, uh, or at least they don't want to get better by being told what they're not good at. Uh, that's a painful experience for someone to say, hey, you suck in this way. Uh, but here's the deal. When I, whenever Zach preaches, after Zach preaches, he, he always makes certain to get on my calendar and to press and press and press until I honor that calendar space so that I could tell him how he can get better. And whenever I, I open up and say, hey, you did this really well and you did this really well and you did this really well, uh, he'll then say, but what did I mess up at? What could I get better at? I, I, I want to know. And then I will say, well, you could be better here or here or here. You could do these things. And then he'll say, what else? What else? What else? He wants to know. He, he, he doesn't want just one or two or three things. He wants, he wants you to be clear on every growth area that he could have in order to be better. That's not normal. He is weird. Uh, but but, but that, is, that is generally not normal because, because honestly, you and I, whenever, whenever we face the brokenness 
the mistakes, the lack in us, there's some discomfort there. We, we, we grow complacent in our mediocrity or in whatever level of efficacy we have. I think about the, 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 the elite of the elite in athletics, particularly in Houston. I think about the one thing that they all have in common. They all want to be better. They drive to be, a, be better. They're not just resting on their laurels. They're not, they're not sitting comfortably with the skill sets that they began with. Think about J.J. Watt. Think about how he grinds and grinds and grinds, sometimes too much. It's like, dude, you're not doing your body any favors by how hard you're working. Or think about the reputation that Alex Bregman has as, as someone who's always in the cage, just a, a cage rat, and he's studying film and learning signs, and, and he picks up on the signs, and he totally destroys the Tampa Bay Rays. Praise God, praise God, praise God. He even like tells Correa what he sees, and Correa can't execute on it, but you know, whatever. So, uh, which is why we should trade him this offseason, but we can talk about that later. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, but, but I also think in this moment today, uh, we're coming up upon the anniversary of the greatest trade in, the Houston, in Houston sports history. October 27th, 2012 was the day that the Oklahoma City Thunder traded James Harden to the Houston Rockets. The greatest trade in Houston sports history. Now, I know that some of you might be thinking Randy Johnson or Jeff Bagwell or Verlander. Like, I get all of that. James Harden, it's a steal. We, we literally robbed the city of Oklahoma City, and they should all be mourning still. But here's the thing about James Harden is he came to us as just a good shooting, Euro-stepping shooting guard. That's what he was. He, he wasn't anything like extraordinary. He wasn't a superstar. He, he wasn't even really a star. He was just, he was a sixth man. He was a good piece. He was Lou Williams. Like, that's great. But it's not. But here's the deal. He worked every single offseason to do something new, to do something extraordinary, to get better and better and better every year. He grinded to be better. He started with... Uh, with perfecting that Euro step, and, and then he moved to the step back. And he worked the step back and worked it until it was incorporated into his everyday repertoire. And then, and then he, he saw the videos about his defense, and he was like, oh, well, they don't think I could play defense. So then he you know, led the league in steals, and he worked on being the, one of the top five post defenders in the entire league. And then he worked on the side step back because the, the, the step back wasn't hard enough. Now we're going to step to the side. Uh, and then he worked on his floater because he noticed how the Spurs were guarding him in the lane. And, and then this offseason, he, he added a one-footed, left-footed, left-handed three-point shot, which all of you are going to see when we open the season, and you're going to be, like, baffled because it's unbelievable. And who would think that he would continue to say, hey, I could lead the league in this stat, or I could lead the league in that stat, or I could do all these things, but I can steal, still get better. That's not normal. That's weird. And the only downside of this sermon is I've compared Zach to J.J. Watt and Alex Bregman and James Harden, so I'm going to have to totally get his ego in check and tell him about all the things that are jacked up about him so that he can continue to want to grow. But it's not normal to want to grow like that. But that's what we're called to as Christians. You and I are called to persistently, with great endurance, 
work towards growth in holiness of heart and life day by day. We're to be, be willing to, to admit, to confess to our brokenness, our sin, all of the ways that we fall short, and to work diligently towards the task of, of redemption that we've received in Christ and to be made holy by the power and work of the Spirit. We're not to be complacent or content in our sin. Paul describes it in this way in Galatians. He says that we're to carry each other's burdens. And a lot of times we think about that like, like in times of great trauma in our lives. Like, like hey, you know, uh, when, when, when you have a loved one that dies or when there's an illness in your family and you think about the burden that you have and you're to like help alongside someone's burden. That's true, but that's, that's not all that Paul's talking about here. Paul's also talking very specifically about when someone is caught in sin. Verse 1 there, if, if someone is caught in sin, if someone has experienced sin in their lives, you're to help them carry that burden. And what that looks like is you're to engage them and you're to relate to them and you're to encourage them to walk in the way that leads to life. And, 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 you're, and you're to invite that to, back to yourself as well, that we walk in this mutual relationship of growth, that we're committed to it, that, that, that we're not going to sit idly by and not journey faithfully with our brothers and sisters. It's a hard task and it's a hard calling, but that's what it means for us to be in Christian community. For us to grow in that way. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with the fruit of the Spirit? You, you, you hear in, in that opening verse of chapter 6, it says, So if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual, you who are in Christian communion with them, uh, you should restore that person gently. Gently. With gentleness, other translations, translations say. And, and we hear that and we're like, oh, okay, so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, and self-control. It's an odd place for us to find this word gentleness, but, but, but we, we, we don't think about gentleness in the sense of uh, encouragement or rebuke or uh, invitation into holiness like Paul's using it here. So maybe we need to dig back into what, what does this word gentleness mean? And, and, and the Greek is pretty clear. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a word called prates, prates. And, and this word is not only translated as gentleness. Sure, in Galatians chapter 5, when we read the fruit of the Spirit, it, it does say love, joy, peace, patience, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, prates, and self-control, gentleness, and self-control. But Jesus also uses that word when he's, uh, when he's proclaiming the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 5, and he's in the Beatitudes, and he's saying, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And, and do you want to guess which, which blessing is upon the prautis? There's no gentleness in that translation in our English. It's the word meekness or meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the prautis. So what does this word mean? It's, it's used as meekness, it's used as gentleness, but it's talking about encouragement and growth and holiness. And, and so this word can, can, can have all of these different inputs. It, it also has another kind of uh, undertone woven into this Galatians 6 uh, uh, paragraph. You see in verse 3, it says, if anyone thinks they're something when they're nothing, they deceive themselves. So there's, there's an attentiveness to the way that you engage other people and carry forward this gentleness. You might also add the word humbleness to that. Because if you engage someone humbly, then you're engaging someone in such a way where you know that you are there also. 
You know that, that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So your brokenness is being brought into that situation as well. And, and you humbly enter into it. Not with any pride or, or, or anything that you've accomplished, but only what Christ has accomplished in you. So, so you have this, this, this meekness, this gentleness, this humbleness. Protes. So if we actually go to, 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 the, to the Strong's Concordance of Greek, and we look up what the definition is, there's, there's a couple of definitions, a couple of ways that, that, uh, that, that the scholars have described this Greek word, because our English is obviously, obviously lacking in some way. See, it, it describes it in these two ways. It says, exercising God's power under God's control. Gentleness. Meekness, humbleness, this, exercising God's power under God's control. Boy, that's, that's a dynamic way of looking at gentleness. Here's another way that it's put. It says, demonstrating power, demonstrating power without undue harshness. Okay, so we could grasp gentleness maybe even more cleanly there. Demonstrating power without undue harshness and so there's there's this balance it seems that that you enter into a situation with if you want to carry gentleness proudness if you want to do that then you enter in with power and with control power and control you see those those are the two things that are required to be effective in gentleness i want you to think about power pitching and how worthless it is if there's no control. How many 99-mile-an-hour fastballs are in AAA and never get to the bigs? Plenty. Because they can't get control of it. If they walk everybody, guess what? They're not going to make the show. They have to be able to control it. And the power and the control go hand in hand. And how many times do you see someone that... that that is a starting pitcher, but they come out of the bullpen, and when they come out of the bullpen, they have even more power than they did starting. And you're like, man, they, they were a 96-mile-an-hour pitcher. Now they're a 99-mile-an-hour pitcher. They have even more power than I thought, but it's because they always held it under control. Power. Control. This is what gentleness looks like, and it's a completely different picture than what you might have thought or what I might have thought as we entered into this text this week. What does it look like to engage with brothers and sisters in Christ or to engage with outsiders, those that are outside the Christian community, with gentleness? It starts with power. It starts with understanding that you and I have been given a spirit of power in us. The Holy Spirit has equipped us with this power. And so that whenever we engage others, we're not engaging each other on, on our own, with our own strength or our own ability or our own grace. But no, it's the power of grace that is in us from the Holy Spirit that we exhibit to others. It's not your power. It's God's power. And I have to be reminded of that all the time. You know, gentleness is kind of a hard thing for me, if I'm honest. I, I think if you were going to ask me to list some, some personality traits or characteristics uh, of myself, I would probably begin with some things like confidence or 
strength or leadership or uh, competitiveness, these sorts of things. Those are like values or descriptors that I, that I, that I present and, and also have. But, but to be honest, in their ugliest, which they are ugly plenty of times, those very things are exhibited as harshness, abrasiveness, And that confidence actually just turns people off as arrogance. And that doesn't look anything like gentleness or meekness or humility. Harshness, abrasiveness, arrogance. I remember I was in a circumstance where uh, I was in a small group that were it was a learning session, and so uh, part of the learning, and I, di- I should have known better, but I didn't because I'm dumb. Uh, uh, we, were, we, we, we had this learning videoed, and, and, and uh, we were engaging in something that was supposed to be somewhat competitive, and as we were engaging in it, uh, I knew that I was going to lead us to victory because that's what I do. And so I was working on this project with a team of people, and afterwards it was announced that we won, and I was so thrilled with how we won. But the actual uh, work of the project was to see how you engage with others. And so they showed the video in front of everybody about of how I engaged that space. And it, I know it, it wasn't just about me, but for me it was just about me because I had an eye-opening experience because I saw how I talked to other people, how I related to other people, how harsh I was abrasive and arrogant I was and I was convicted that that wasn't good enough that, that Christ desires better of me that this that the power I have in the Holy Spirit already has enabled me to be better than that and that if I was going to be faithful to Christ, and the way that that was going to look is I needed to work towards gentleness, meekness, humility, krautis. Because it's how we engage with one another. It, both in, in Galatians 6, but also in what we read from, from Colossians 4. You see, you see uh, th- this is a picture painted for us uh, by Paul that, that, that is in two different letters, but it comes to the same head, the same point. And it's inviting us to consider the way we relate to other people. Galatians 6, about how we relate to the Christian community. Colossians 4, how we relate to outsiders. And it, and it says, hey, uh, here are these outsiders. Excuse me, here are these outsiders. I need you to be wise in the way you act towards them. If someone's not in a, in a Christian community with you, you need to have a specific wisdom about your engagement. You got to make the most of every opportunity, but here's what your conversation needs to look like. Here's what your interaction with them needs to look like. It needs to be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Not full of salt, seasoned with grace. Full of grace, seasoned with salt. Y'all could draw that difference, right? Sometimes I'm full of salt. Season with grace, but God calls me to be full of grace, seasoned with salt. I love that image. I think it has so much power for us. I was in Haiti on a, on a mission 
uh, trip with Covenant uh, a few years back, and, and it was July, and we were working on, uh, on a construction project, hauling, uh, hauling uh, 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 sand and gravel to make concrete, and so that means that we were sweating. It was July in Haiti, and it was everything you would imagine that to be, like sweat literally pouring off of the chin, like, like a faucet had been turned on. And as you're working, you're like, where is all this water coming from? But here's one thing that, that all that sweat makes you. It makes you crave salt. Like, like you crave water, but you also crave salt. So we would get to lunch break, and on our lunch break, uh, everybody would be trying to figure out what can I eat that would be the saltiest possible. And we were finding like the salted peanuts, and, and we were looking at the chip bags, and we were thinking, well, what chips should I eat that are going to give me the most salt possible? And so we looked, and we and, and I'd like, I like snagged up the ruffles, right? And I'm thinking, ruffles are obviously salty. That's what I need. I need the ruffles, and I put the ruffle in my mouth, and I said, Ooh, salt, mm, joy, heaven. And so a, as I did that, I was uh, defeated by one of my colleagues on the trip. I was defeated because they laughed. They said, you think you're getting the most salt, but you're not. You see, you think that ruffles have the most salt, but then they went and they grabbed a bag of Cheetos. And I said, there's no way there's salt in Cheetos. It's just all it is is puff and cheese, and that's it. There's like, like, if you look at the contents, surely you'll see joy and cheese. That's it. And they said, no, you're wrong. Look at yours. And so I looked at the ruffles, and then, of course, it said that I had 150 milligrams of sodium. And then he laughed. Ha! I have you beat. And he pulled out his Cheeto bag and said, 247 Milligrams per serving, which is like a quarter of a bag uh, <laughs> of Cheetos, of salt and Cheetos. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, I would have never guessed that there was so much salt in Cheetos. And it's because it has been gloriously and magnificently seasoned with salt. You know, because if you're full of grace, <laughs> this Cheeto imagery just totally broke down. If you're full of grace, but seasoned with salt, then the salt is not nearly as salty. You know what I'm saying? If, if you just dump salt on the food after you cooked it, all you're doing is pouring salt in your mouth. But if you season with salt, it doesn't have to taste like salt because it can just permeate the whole dish. Y'all with me? So here's what Paul directs us. He says, make the most out of every moment. Make the most out of every moment. Don't be complacent. Don't be content. Grow. Commit to grow. Be willing to grow. Be willing to, to have others help you grow. Be willing to help other people grow. And when you're in that engagement of growth, here's what you need to do. You need to practice gentleness. And that gentleness means power and control. It means grace and it means salt. And those two things are going to come in and help you grow. And so I want you to be thinking about what moments did you have last week? What moments are you going to have this week where you're engaging with another Christian? What does it look like for you to engage that conversation 
with gentleness, proud face, power, and control. And what does it look like when you engage the world, those outside of the Christian community, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, out at the grocery store, or just generally in the community? What does it look like to make the most of those moments as well? Full of grace, seasoned with salt. May you and I find ourselves full of the Holy Spirit power, yet having that faithful control to bless the world with the transforming love of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I, I pray that you would create space in each of us to reflect on the ways in which you have called us to gentleness. A commitment to, to grow in your love, to grow in godliness, and yet to be transformed into more than we can currently imagine. Lord, as we spend a moment in silence, I ask that you would create space for us to hear from you. And to invite us into invite us into a season of, of growth committed to gentleness. Lord, be glorified in our lives, in our every moment, in our encounters with, with brothers and sisters in Christ, in our encounters with those outside of the Christian community. Be glorified in the way we live our lives gently, loving you persistently, and offering, offering grace to the world.